Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Well, good morning and welcome to Horizon West Church Online. Uh, I want to begin just by wishing you a very happy 4th of July weekend. I hope you and your family are having an incredible time together. Uh, These are odd circumstances and yet uh, what a privilege it is to uh, celebrate our freedom and uh, to celebrate the place that God has for us to serve and to live. Um, I want to recognize that this past Sunday we had our first gathering back together in person and it was such a a joy to be with right at 70 of you there. Um, What a celebration that was. We also recognize that many of you uh, are are not quite yet ready to get back to meeting physically in person and we want you to know that is okay Um, and yet uh, we we loved and enjoyed the time we had with those of you that were there. Uh, We're also looking at meeting again on Sunday, July the 12th um, and we want to encourage you to circle your calendars there. Uh, There's a possibility um, as we watch the, the numbers and listen to the county guidelines that that could change. But right now, we're planning for this coming Sunday evening, July 12th at 5 o'clock, to meet at Harvest Church. Um, we're going to go ahead and put the information in our comments, the location and time, and we'd love to encourage you, if you're ready, uh, to come out and meet with us this coming Sunday, July 12th at Harvest. Well, I want to encourage you this morning to uh, get out a Bible or a Bible app. We're going to be back in 2 Peter chapter 1, continuing uh, what we began last week. And the theme uh, of this passage that Peter is writing is really building a life that is honoring to God or building a life that's pleasing to the Lord. So let me read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love." Last week, we looked at the first four of these qualities or these characteristics, um, and I want to show you an illustration of how we might think about these things. We could think about each of these characteristics that Peter is giving us as building blocks in the life that pleases God. And so one is going to be virtue, or what we called moral excellence. Another is going to be knowledge, another self-control, another steadfastness. And we could almost see these as building upon one another, that, that Peter is asking us or the scripture is asking us to lay a foundation of a life that's going to be pleasing to God with each of these qualities being a part of that. They build on one another. In other words, as we come to a life of faith, we immediately begin pursuing moral excellence. We begin being transformed in our character, our attitudes, and our actions. But that only takes us so far. We've got to then build into our lives knowledge of God, knowledge of his word, so that we're equipped for this life of faith. Once we have the knowledge, we're going to be better able to practice self-control, to overcome sin and temptation, to root out bad habits in our lives through the knowledge of God and his word. And as we uh, discipline ourselves to practice self-control, Peter's going to say, you then are going to need steadfastness or perseverance because it's easy to become weary in doing good. Faith is the foundation. 
followed by that pursuit of transformation, growth in knowledge, victory over temptation, and perseverance in our pursuit. So this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up uh, right there in the middle of uh, verse uh, 6, or or rather the very end of verse 6. And the next virtue, the next characteristic that Peter is going to give us is the quality of godliness, or we might say God-likeness. I think what Peter is doing here is he's calling our attention to the fact that a life of faith is not about something external, but rather internal. Earlier this year, uh, ESPN released The Last Dance, which is uh, the life of Michael Jordan and his career with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Some of us are old enough to remember uh, Michael Jordan playing in the 80s and 90s, and the phrase at that time was, we want to be what? Like Mike. Well, as Christians, we want to be like God, but there's a problem. See, when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, sometimes we'd get together with friends, we'd play basketball, and we could imitate Michael Jordan. We, we would stick out our tongue when we went up for a layup, or, or we'd wear the number 23 on our jersey. We were trying to be like Mike. And yet, when we stepped foot on the basketball court, I can tell you that our game looked nothing like Mike. In fact, it was a, a weak, pathetic version of Michael Jordan's game. Nothing like the same. And here's the truth this morning. Some of us are wearing God's jersey, and we're trying to imitate and emulate, and maybe even from a genuine place, trying to say, God, I want to be like you. I want to look like you. But the problem is we haven't built into our lives the characteristics through time and devotion and energy that allow us or enable us to be like God in the way we think and the way we act. The truth is, Michael Jordan didn't just step on a basketball court and play the game that he played. His game was forged in training camps and in uh, basketball courts away from the spotlight where he built a game that was elevated. And in the same way, I think Scripture is calling us to build into our lives this character of godliness so that when push comes to shove, when we're tried, when we're under temptation, the character of God, the nature of God comes out of us because we've taken the time working with the Holy Spirit to build godlike characteristics into our life. The goal of our faith, friends, is to grow in the likeness of Christ. In other words, The older we get, the longer we walk with God, the more we should look like Jesus. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. A few big words in there, but what the text is saying is that God's desire and his design for the Christian life is that the longer we get into it, the more we are conformed or transformed to look like Jesus. Jesus. And so we can think of godliness as a process. It's a process of allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to transform us into the image of God, the Son, to the glory of God, the Father. We cannot do it alone, and we do not do it for our own good or for our own glory. But God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, working in us and through us to produce the kind of life that he is pleased with. Now, what's interesting to me is that this is only the fifth of the seven characteristics. It seems like Peter would say, man, once you get to godliness, that's kind of like the the final foundation. We might put a brick here and say that that's the the big one, godliness. That's the one we need to to ultimately aim for. And yet, Peter's going to say, actually, friends, there's something more than that, something even beyond that. And he's going to use this expression, brotherly affection. Brotherly affection. What is Peter talking about 
with this idea of brotherly affection. Well, the word in the Greek there is the word Philadelphia, okay? We have a city in America called Philadelphia. Some of you are from there. Philadelphia is a a Greek word. It just means brotherly kindness or brotherly affection. It appears six times in the New Testament in that exact uh, way, Philadelphia. And two of those are by Peter, one in each of his letters uh, to believers. The term Philadelphia or phileo, uh, it, it refers to a kind of affection and intimacy among Christians, among believers, that's really unique in our culture. It's, it's more than just a passing acquaintanceship. It's more than just a, 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 a casual concern, but it's a deep, bonded, intimate fellowship that's unique to the Christian community. And the early church, the first century church, was all about Philadelphia. These were people who, in some cases, sold properties in order to give to other Christians who were without. Uh, There were families caring for the elderly or caring for orphans in their midst who who didn't have anywhere else to go. The rich and the poor were sharing meals together at the same table, and these were all incredibly counterculture, revolutionary kind of ideas. But they all point back to this Philadelphia, this brotherly affection. See, I believe the first Christians set a standard for the way that Christians in every generation should interact with each other. We've said at Horizon West Church, we want to be more than a friendly church. We want to be a church of friends. In fact, one of the ways we've talked about it is that we want to be a diverse community of good friends, together doing good works and sharing the good news of Jesus with our world. That's what we desire to be. And Peter's going to say, well, if you're going to get there, If you're going to have that kind of a community, that kind of a culture, you've got to practice. You've got to build into your life Philadelphia, phileo, brotherly affection. And that concept, that phrase is closely related to what's going to be the final of these seven characteristics that Peter is going to call us to. And it's closely related to the seventh, but there are some differences. Peter's going to say the final characteristic to build into your life of faith is love. Love is the ultimate expression of our faith. Not vertical only, but but horizontal as well. And here Peter's going to shift from the word Philadelphia to the word agape. This is another Greek word for love, but it's something deeper and richer even than that concept of brotherly affection. Now, I got to point out something in the text that's really fascinating. Remember, this is Peter writing this in 2 Peter chapter 1. And you may remember, if you're fairly familiar with the Gospels, that that it was Peter who betrayed Jesus. Uh, On the night that Jesus was crucified, it was was Peter, uh, well, not who betrayed him, but who denied him, right? Three times he said, I don't know who this man is. It was Peter who who denied. And in John chapter 21, Jesus is going to come to Peter, and he's going to ask him a question. In the English translations, the question sounds like this, Peter, do you love me? But in the original language, it's Peter, do you, do you agape me? In other words, do you have this, this uh, all-consuming, sacrificial, surpassing love for me? Remember, Peter has just uh, denied him. Peter's response in John 21 is going to be, Lord, I phileo you. I have a brotherly affection for you. I, I, I'm good. I care about you. Jesus will come back a second time and say again, Peter, do you agape me? Is your love unconditional? Are you all the way with me? And Peter's going to say a second time, Lord, I phileo you. You know that I do. He's shifting the the language. 
And then the third and final time, Jesus is going to say, Peter, do you phileo me? And in the ESV, and we don't have time to go there, but in John 21, in the ESV, it says Peter was hurt because Jesus asked a third time. My inclination is to think it's not just the number of times Jesus asked, but it's that in that third time, Jesus changed the wording to show Peter, Peter, you do phileo me. You do have a brotherly affection for me, but you don't yet love me as you ought. And Peter recognizes that and says, Lord, you know all things and you know that I Phileo, you you know I have affection for you, but I'm not yet where I need to be. It may be that this morning you go, I, I know that I love the Lord in a sense. I mean, I, I, I go to church or I watch online and I, and I give and I serve and I, and I care about other people and, I, and I, I do have that brotherly affection, but maybe I don't have that abiding love that comes from God for other people. See, it's this characteristic, love, that Jesus said in John 13 is going to be the defining characteristic of the church. Look with me in verses 34 and 35 of John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Just two chapters later, Jesus clarified for the disciples what he meant by love. John 15, 13, he said, greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life, that she lay down her life maybe for their friends. It's when we are willing to give all, when we're willing to sacrifice, to be uncomfortable, to enter into difficult conversations and, and awkward spaces because we love one another, love despite differences, love despite distance, whatever it may be. Jesus says, that's the kind of love that I've demonstrated to you and that's the kind of love you are to demonstrate to others. It's what separates Philadelphia, phileo, from agape. Now the truth is, I, I have a love for many of you. Some of you I haven't had the chance to meet yet, but many of you I have. But honestly, if you said to me, Chris, uh, somehow you know, I, I have a heart condition and your heart is the only one that will keep me alive. I, I would need your heart to beat in my chest or I'm not gonna survive. I got to be honest with you, I would think twice about giving you my heart because it would be the end of me. But if one of my kids had that same situation and I knew that my children would not survive unless they had my heart beating in their chest, I would say, tell me when and where and make the appointment, right? Because I love my children. I, I would lay down my life for my kids in a heartbeat. And Jesus is calling us as believers to move past that, that brotherly affection that, hey, we're a, we're a church community and we know each other, kind of, and we like each other most of the time. The question is, do we truly love one another and do we love him? So faith is the foundation. Love is the capstone. Lo love is the final piece. We might say it like this. Faith is the starting line. Love is the finish line. If you thought that walking an aisle or raising your hand or praying a prayer or, or, or reciting some words, that that, was, that was made you good with God and that was all that was required of you. That's all that you need, man. Now everything is just, you can just coast into heaven. Peter's going to say, that's not how it works. But instead, build into your life these characteristics ending with love. Paul will say something similar in Galatians 5, 6. Listen to this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. If I had to sum up the Christian life in four words, it would be that. 
Faith working through love. So we continue to strive, we continue to build, not in our own efforts only, but working with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul said in Philippians 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it's God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And here's what Peter's going to say about it. Go to verse 8 of 2 Peter 1. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he has been cleansed from his former sins. Peter's going to say, these qualities not only need to be in you, but they need to be increasing in you. This means we should stop asking the question, how am I doing compared to my spouse or my roommate or my friends or my coworkers? Better question is this, how am I doing compared to last year, to last month, to last week. Not comparing myself with other people, but comparing me to me. Am I growing and am I increasing in this life of faith? See, when we compare ourselves to people around us, it's going to produce one of two things and neither is good. Either first, we're going to have pride because we look around and go, I'm a lot better than that guy, a lot better than that girl. I'm doing pretty well. Or it will produce guilt. We'll say, man, that, that guy's way smarter than I'll ever be. And that, that girl serves so much better than I could. But when we compare ourselves to ourselves, we can recognize where we need to grow, where we need to increase in these qualities. And Peter says, this is essential to the Christian life. A lot of us, when we were younger, learned a fable of the tortoise and the hare. And if you know that story, you know that the, the, the bunny, the hare, is much faster than the tortoise. And so he takes off running. But what happens? He ends up stopping along the journey. He takes a, a break. He naps because there's no way that tortoise could ever catch him, right? Meanwhile, the tortoise just keeps putting one foot in front of the other, one in front of the other, one in front of the other, never stops moving. And over time in the fable, the tortoise crosses the finish line and beats the hare. Why? Because when we stop moving, we stop winning. The same is true in the Christian life. If you're not moving forward, you're falling behind. And some of you might go, man, I've walked with God for X amount of years, or I have so much Bible knowledge, or I've served so much that I can just kind of coast from here on in. And the truth is, if that's you, you're being surpassed by the brand new Christian who's moving closer to the Lord, who's increasing in their faith. This is why I say that faith is a direction and not a destination. It's not, it's not a place that we arrive and we go, okay, now I'm a person of faith, I can relax, I can rest in that. No, we say now, because of faith, I'm driven to grow closer to the Lord. I'm driven to serve him more. I'm driven to build a life that's pleasing to him. And even if I haven't been moving, I'm going to begin moving again. I'm going to begin growing in these characteristics. Peter's going to say if we aren't growing in them, if we're not increasing in them, what we're actually doing is we're becoming ineffective and unfruitful. Ineffective and unfruitful. He doesn't say if you're not growing in them, you're not saved. The problem is there's more to your Christian life than just getting saved. And Peter's saying, man, if you stop, if you think faith is the finish line, you're going to be an ineffective and an unfruitful Christian. In fact, he's even going to say you're going to forget that you are even a saved person. I had a pastor friend that I was in the church of years ago, and he said it like this. He said, when we... When we stop growing in our faith, we don't lose our salvation, 
But what happens is that God will remove from us the security of our salvation because we shouldn't rest in a place of being ineffective and unfruitful. I might say it like this, no one should have confidence in their salvation who is committed to their sin. If you're living a life that doesn't reflect building a life of faith or growing in faith, if you're not living a life of serving and loving other people, you shouldn't rest on a prayer that you prayed. No one should be confident in their salvation who is still committed to their sin. Last two verses we're going to look at are verses 10 and 11. Peter says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If faith is the direction, heaven is the destination. I shared last week that that the times in my life, the seasons in my life when I was the most happy as a believer, the most effective as a believer, were times when I regularly uh, revisited the reality that one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. And, And I hope that when I do, I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And when I was living toward that moment, when everything was geared toward that or my efforts were to live toward that moment, I found myself more effective and happier in my walk with God. Here's the truth about good and faithful servants. Good and faithful servants are people who work with the Holy Spirit in building a life that reflects these characteristics in 2 Peter 1. And most importantly, a life that reflects genuine love for God and for people. Good and faithful servants aren't servants to a political party or a social movement or their own wealth or security. Good and faithful servants are those who say, Lord, everything that I am, all that I have is yours. And whatever you call me to, be it suffering or or prosperity, be be it hardship or comfort, I'm in. And one day we live that way and we invite the Lord to shape us into that kind of person we will hear that well done, good and faithful servant. This morning, I just want to close with two questions as we've been doing the last several weeks. Here's the first question that I want you to ask yourself in closing. What does my life look like compared to last year, last month, or last week? You may even sometime today or this weekend get out a paper and a pen and and draw a trajectory of your life. Are, are, Are you moving in an upward trajectory or a downward? Now, this doesn't have to be legalistic, But that might be a way of kind of spiritually mapping things out. And you go, wow, man, I remember last summer I was was here, but but this summer there's more anxiety, there's more apathy, there's more self-condemnation. I feel like I'm going the wrong direction. Well, don't beat yourself up about that. But would you ask the Lord to continue to build into your life these characteristics that we so much need? And here's the second question. What am I guilty of making the main thing, be it politics, career, wealth, security, whatever else, instead of building my life on Jesus' love? There was an old saying, went something like this, just one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Here's the question. Are you building your life on the love of Jesus or are you building on something else? We're going to sing a song right now. The song is called Build My Life, and I encourage you, even where you're at in your home, to to turn the volume up and and maybe get up and maybe have your children or, or if you've got roommates, get them involved. But let's sing this song as our response and our declaration that, Jesus, we will build our life on your love. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. 
If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.